Well, it's fun for the words, so uh, let's just pray and get into things this morning. Father, we just thank you for this morning. God, again, we thank you that we are here in this place. Almost seems surreal, God, that you've brought us to the place you promised us. For that, we are thankful, but we pray for the word this morning. We pray that you'd move, that you'd speak, Lord God, you'd speak through me. I pray that your word would hold weight and power. Today, Lord God, it's you who does the changing, you who does the transformation. God, would you move in our lives this morning, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, something I've been looking at a lot is uh, the promises of God recently. You know, when God gives a promise, He already has an end game in mind. We might not see what God is doing, we might not just see far into the future, but when God gives a promise, He knows what it looks like at the end. He looks, He knows what it looks like in the next six months, or the next year, the next five, uh, the, the next ten. One thing I've noticed about God's promises, although we're here, and that God gives the promise, we're going to have to fight for every inch of ground that we take. Can I remind you this morning that as we pioneer the ground, as we build roads, uh, where deserts, deserts exist, the ground is always going to be littered with giants of all sizes, both great and small. But if there's something that I've seen from the book of Joshua, it's this, that giants are made to be slain. Giants are meant to be beaten, and victory is ours in the name of Jesus. Another thing I've seen about giants is that giants test, giants reveal, and they push us to our limits. But when we're in God and we walk out His promised land, there is victory in Christ every single time. The giants that you may face today and will face are there to be defeated. Can I get an amen from someone this morning? That's what we like to hear. What we'll ask the question, do we have any secret or undercover gamers in the house? There's more than two gamers in this house, I know it. Some of you need to put your hands up, you're lying to yourselves right now. Undercover gamers. Who remembers like the Nintendo 64? 007, anyone? Golden Knight? What a game. Who remembers the Sega Mega Drive? Yes. Oh, there's a few, okay, there's a few people remembering it. I remember when I was young, that me and my brothers, we got a mega drive for Christmas, or a combined gift, which didn't go down overly well, because we always fought over who got to play it the most. Um, but we got a game called Sonic the Hedgehog. You know, as you run around in Sonic, and I'm pretty fast, so I kind of identify with Sonic, we'd run around and you'd click all the gold rings, and you'd beat these little bad guys during the level, but then at the end of each level, you'd come up to a big boss. And the big boss was nothing like the little ones that you face. They were strong and they were tough. And you often had to try multiple times to try and beat the big boss. But what I noticed is that the big boss wasn't there to end the game for you. It was to test you of your skill. It was to push you further and see if you could outlast that big boss. And when you were able to beat the big boss, your character would then level up. You would increase in strength and stamina and all these things. Your character, Sonic, in the game became stronger and stronger. You know, I think as a simple comparison, the giants that we face in our lives are something similar. As we face them and as we take land and as we beat things in our lives, we become stronger. God develops character and strength and stamina in our lives. 
You know, sometimes these giants can push us to our limits. We can lose sleep over them. They can take us to some pretty dark places at times. They can seemingly laugh in our face despite our best efforts. One thing I noticed is that in Sonic the Hedgehog, there were these things called cheat codes. Nice to find them, you know, you go to a certain place, you add 19 here and 65 here and press down five times and then right to the right three times and then hold 85 seconds and all of a sudden your character became stronger. Infinite lives, supersonic mode, and there was a whole lot of cool things that you could do. But what I see in God is that it's almost a similar thing that if we turn to the back of the book, we win. We win every single time. God's already promised us the victory. God's already promised you the giant to be slain in your life. The thing that you face today, God already has a path for you to win. But the responsibility on you and I is to walk and to go through and to be strong and courageous and defeat the giants that we place. Joshua 1 says, Every place the sole of your foot will tread, I have given you. Giants are made to be slain. So what giant do you face this morning? Not all giants look the same. Not all giants are visibly seen. If we look at David, the giant Goliath that he, that he faced, everybody saw that giant. In fact, Goliath came out for 40 days and 40 nights. And he was there and he was mocking the Israelites. Everyone saw the giant that he faced. But what about Elijah? Elijah saw a great victory on Mount Carmel, but then he went to a quiet place. He was lonely. He felt like he had no purpose. He even asked God that he would die. But nobody saw the giant that he faced. Yet it was just as good. But he faced it alone. Sometimes I think that we minimize giants that we face because we don't think it's as big as what someone else may face. If something is big to you, then it's big to God, and you've got to treat it as such. Giants of depression, poor self-esteem, destructive habits, financial problems, maybe it's alcohol or sexual sin, maybe there's things that trip you up over and over again. Maybe there's issues in your marriage or relationships or trauma from when you were a child or growing up, even in your adult years. See, these giants are the things that can keep us chained where we are. One thing I've noticed about giants, they are there to ensure that you don't move forward. Until the giant is slain, you cannot move forward. They keep us chained and they keep us imprisoned. But there is so much hope today. May I remind you of the words of John 8 verse 36. Those the sun sets free are free indeed. See, the journey of faith in God is one of taking territory. If you're facing something today, maybe it is something like depression, maybe it's other things in your life, maybe you're unsure of the future, maybe you're not sure if there's hope, but can I tell you this morning that when God sets someone free, they are free indeed. There is freedom in Christ for you today. And I'm believing that as we pray this morning and towards the end of the service that we are going to hear the sound of chains falling to the ground as people in this place get set free and slay giants. Can we just turn to Joshua chapter 1 this morning? Joshua chapter 1.
going to re- just skim a, a couple of verses here just to get a summary of what's going on. So we see that in Joshua 1 we have God's commission to Joshua. So we'll just go down to verse chapter 3. This is before he takes the promised land and he gives some instructions to Joshua. Joshua 1 verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon you, I have given you as I said to Moses. So this is the premise of where everything comes from. It's the promise of God. In this scripture, the promise was the promised land. But we can translate this across to any promise in God's word. You know, just this week I was talking to someone who's been struggling with a, a few major things in their life. And they said, one of the biggest things I'm facing is anxiety. And that's something that I've faced in my life. And I was able to pass on Philippians chapter 4. Because the thing that is going to help someone get past the giant of anxiety is God's promise of peace. So we hand on Philippians chapter 4. That the peace that surpasses understanding will guard our hearts and guard our mind. So we start with the premise that God's promise is what he has for you. So as we read on this chapter, just because the promise is there for you does not mean the journey to the promise is not without challenges. Can we just come down to verse uh, verse 5b just for a second? As I, was with, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. God's promise is that he does not leave us, nor does he forsake us. Moving now to verse 6 through verses 9. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to them, to their fathers, to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There's three things that I see in the scripture. There's three things or these three things that God repeated over and over. The first one I see was that I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. Again, at the end of verse 9, it says, The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The second thing that I see is that he says to be strong and of good courage. He said it three times. Be strong and of good courage. Only be strong and courageous. And in the end, be strong and of good courage. And the third thing was this. It was the word. He mentions two things. To follow the Bible. And the second thing was do not let the law, uh, the book of the Lord, depart from your mouth. So before Joshua takes any land... Before he slays any giants, before he takes God's promises, there are three instructions. Does anyone here a person who likes to ask why? Has anyone got kids that like to ask why? It's time for bed. Why? I have to brush my teeth. Brush, brush your teeth now. Why? I was also always a why kid. I'd like to know the answer. I'd like to know why something is. And so here, not questioning God himself. I think what I'm asking God, why did he say these three particular things? 
So the first song was, I will not leave you, I will not forsake you, I am with you. Why would God say that? I think firstly, the most obvious is that God is with us. God is always with us. He never leaves us. But I think also, it, at times, I don't know about you, but sometimes it doesn't feel like God is always with us. Sometimes it feels like we are all alone. Sometimes when it's dark, or you're up late at night, and you're worrying about something, and it can be a common occurrence that we feel like we are alone. When we face our giants, when we have to face up to our fears and the things that we are dealing with, our feelings and emotions can tell us, why hasn't God moved in my life yet? How come others are getting miracles? How come I'm struggling with this thing? How come it feels like God has left me all alone? I think the feelings are valid, but the truth of the matter is, God is always with you despite your feelings. Despite the giants that you face, He is with you. And that's why He reminds us, because our emotions, as we all know, can lead us on all sorts of funny roads and, and different ways they take us. But the truth and the facts here is that God is always with you. Can I say this morning is that if you are walking in the will of God, if you are desiring to live out your call that He has on your life and you face giants, often we can question, what have I done wrong? Why is this thing in my heart? Has God left me? Am I doing the wrong thing? Why am I facing this now? When you are in the will of God, His promises, I am with you wherever you go. Tell your neighbor this morning, God is with you. Amen. Alright, the next thing that we see is to be strong and of good courage. He says that three times. Be strong, be strong, be strong. Why is that? Well, the reason I came up with is that in order to slay giants, strength and courage are two ingredients that we cannot do without. I've come to realize something else about giants, that 99% of the time there is action of some description on our part in order to see our breakthrough. See, I think, look, God does do miracles. He does things at times and blows us away. But most of the time, faith is action. We have to put our faith into action and do something and take a step forward. Often I think we sit back and we wait for God to do an amazing miracle, but God is waiting for us to take a step forward and to take action and front up to our giants head on. Being strong is facing up to the very things that you want to hide away from. Sometimes I wish that God would clear the giants in my life, but often me walking out my faith in action is the pathway to victory. You know, we believe that God had a new building for us, but we weren't waiting for some magical phone call out of the sky of someone saying, hey, there's a building here for you and it's all paid for and it's furnished and here you go. I would love it if God did that. And I've heard of those stories happening. But faith required us to start to look and to dig and to put feelers out there and as we take action, believe that God miraculously would bring the right building to us. And remember I shared a prophecy a few weeks ago, six years to the month that God has us in this building. So us taking action has led to the miracle that God has done by bringing us to this particular building. I shared with you recently as well uh, my own journey through burnout and the taunts that the enemy was almost laughing at me as I noticed that I was a shell of my former self. 
At times I honestly thought, what was wrong with me? Am I ever going to recover? You know, I had to cry out to God, and yes, He's done a miracle in my life, but I had to, I remember every single day fighting. I thought, today I must win the battle. I had a thing and I wrote it down, it was to win the battle daily. And for me to get my miracle, I had to keep showing up every single day and tick off those things on my list and say, I've done those things. And slowly but surely, God did a miracle in my life. But I don't believe the miracle would have come if I had sat there and given up. I had to face my giant head on. So can I encourage you this morning, be strong, be courageous. Whatever you're facing today, don't wait just for God to do the miracle. Take action today. Action could be talking to someone about what you're facing. Action could be going and getting the help that you need. Action could be asking someone for prayer. Action could be talking up those things that you haven't told anyone. And I know it can be hard, but bringing things to the light can break the power and help you to move forward. The third thing that we saw this morning was out of verse 8, it was the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Interesting commandment. Why didn't, I often thought, God, why didn't you just say to read the Bible or to make sure you spend time with it? But no, he said, make sure the book of the law or the word does not depart from our mouth. So the reason for this is that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If we spend time in God's word, if we spend time meditating on his promises, guess what happens when we start to talk? We start to talk with faith and not fear. Instead of listening to our own thoughts and our own conclusions on things, we start to listen to the promises of God and we start to talk with faith. And that, in turn, starts to change the atmosphere around us. See, a giant will always look bigger than what we think that we can face. As humans, we have a habit, I think, of calling things as we see it. How about the giant of loneliness? We think, oh, no one loves me. No one likes me. No one wants to be around me. Maybe you've got family stresses and relationship problems. I give up. Things will never get better. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to have to put up with things as they are now. Maybe regret or things in the past, or maybe you've got a fear of failure, maybe that's a big giant for you. Maybe you tell yourself that you'll never amount to anything. If we listen to the Bible, it says that he has a hope, and he has a plan, and he has a purpose for your life. Those words do not even enter the mind of God, and they should not enter our mind either. See, the reason we need to meditate on the word is so it changes our speech. When our speech changes to be that of faith, we can change the atmosphere around us. And we can start to take back the ground that the devil has stolen. Faith and not fear. Because giants are made to be slain. And I will drink to that. I know what's hot here this morning, team. I'm sure it's the fire of God and maybe a little bit of sunlight. But let's keep going this morning. You know, if we rewind the uh, story before Joshua became the leader, we see how important faith is when it comes to taking new ground. So as we know, the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt, and they were suffering. They've been there for generations. And Moses has an encounter with God at the burning bush. 
And as part of this encounter, Exodus 3, God says these words, I have surely seen the oppression of people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites. So we take God at his word here this morning. I have a new land and I have new ground and I have a miracle for you. I have a land flowing with milk and honey. We can all agree on that. So as we follow the story, we see that Moses goes and talks to Pharaoh and a whole lot of things happen and the various plagues take place. And finally, the Israelites leave Egypt. And I can only imagine the emotions that are going through the Israelites' minds. They're finally leaving after seeing all their parents and their grandparents living and dying in Egypt as slaves. So they leave Egypt, they start to make tracks, and they can then see their captains starting to chase them. And they get to the Red Sea and their hearts sink. And they must think, oh, it's over. We're going to be either killed or we're going to be going back to Egypt. And as the story goes, Moses comes and he parts the Red Sea with the miraculous power of God. All of a sudden, the Israelites are excited again. Yes, we're going to get through. And they start to walk on dry land and they go through. And as they get to the other side and they see their captors coming, God then brings the waters back together and the captors are no more. And now the Israelites are finally free and they have their freedom. Can you imagine the tears of joy? Can you imagine the excitement and the elation in the Israelites as they realize that they are now journeying towards what God had promised for them? We see then a little bit later in the story that the uh, Israelites are now getting close to Canaan, the promised land. And Moses decides to send 12 spies to check out the land. So can we just turn to Numbers chapter 13? And we're going to read a few verses here this morning. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, we're going to read verses 1 and verses 2. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel from each tribe of their fathers. You shall send a man, every one a leader among them. Can we just follow down now to verses 17 and 18 in the same chapter. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like. Whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many. Alright, let's just follow down now to verses 27 and we're going to read a few verses here. Down to verse 27. Then they told him and said, When we went to the land where you sent us, it truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. 
the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with them said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that, that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, and the seeds of Annex came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. So we have this incredible story the Israelites escaping Egypt getting through the Red Sea, dwelling in the desert for a while, and now they come to a place of the promised land. God's already said it'll be full of milk and of honey. Moses had said, go and check out the fruit. In fact, I don't know if you've seen the picture, but uh, there's huge grapes to be found in Canaan. That they were, the grape clusters are absolutely massive. It takes two men to carry them, and they brought back that exact fruit. But then they've gone up and spied and said, yes, it's got all the things that you said. However, we're terrified of the giants. They're bigger than than us and we don't think that we can take back the ground. So it gets worse. We've got one one more scripture to read. Just follow on in Numbers chapter 14. Numbers 14. So all, verse 1 here, so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation and said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us up to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Can we just stop here for a second? The same Israelites that saw the hand of God move, that parted the Red Sea, that brought them out of generations of slavery, now come to a few giants and have lost all hope, They've lost all faith, and now they want to go back to the very place enslaved where they used to be. What on earth went wrong when they've seen the hand of God move, and now they're a completely different people? Something I notice about this chapter is that the three things that Joshua, that God told Joshua to do, were the three things that the Israelites did not do. They weren't strong and courageous. They cried, they whipped, they complained, and they tried to run in the opposite direction of where God had called them to. They didn't want to fight for their freedom anymore. They even accused God of leaving him. They said, oh, the Lord's only brought us this far for us to die, and our wives and our children to be victims and die by the sword. God had told them that he would not leave them or forsake them. Yet in this moment, they thought that God had left them. The third thing that they did, you could hear from their speech. The book of the law was not in their mouth. 
God had already promised them when God encountered Moses that he would take them out of that land and take them into Canaan, which was theirs to be taken, and they gave up on that. Can I tell you this morning that giants in your life will remain uncontested, and that means that you will, uh, sorry, giants that remain uncontested mean that you will stay chained to where you are right now and where that giant wants to keep you. Unforgiveness, the giant of unforgiveness and bitterness will keep you chained in the right here and the right now until we contest it, until we deal with it in our hearts. I've talked to people that have had major hurts from years ago, years ago, and in the present day they will still refer back to what happened all the way back then. Why? Because the giant has remained uncontested in their life. What giant in your life today is remaining uncontested? What giant are you not dealing with because you may be scared, you may be fearful? Or are you like the Israelites, the fear of the unknown? You don't know what freedom even knows like because you've dealt and had this giant in your life all your life. The scary thing about the Israelites, they would prefer to go back to a life of slavery because it was the known than rather than go to the unknown and maybe get their freedom, which God actually had promised them. Can I tell you this morning, even if you've lived with something for a long, long time, does not mean that you cannot find freedom. What did the verse in John 8 earlier say? Those who the Son sets free are free indeed. Maybe you've dealt or lived with that thing for so long. Can I encourage you this morning, if there is something to learn from the story of the Israelites, is to be a bit more like Joshua and Caleb. We acknowledge the giants, we acknowledge it's going to be a tough journey, but he said, but we are able to take the land. Maybe you're facing depression this morning. Maybe you're facing issues in your marriage or family point. Maybe those things have been there so long. Maybe it's childhood trauma that you have not dealt with. Even though it's been there for a long time, don't become, or don't just settle for what you have today. God has freedom on the other side of you taking action. God has a promised land for you this morning. God has a Canaan for you. God has a land flowing with milk and honey. But because the Israelites only wanted to go back to what they knew, they were comfortable being enslaved. It's such, a, it's such a thing of human nature is that you and I become comfortable with what we have today. I don't know who God's speaking to today, but I believe that maybe God's tugging at your heart right now. There's some things in your life that God would like you to deal with. But the way that happens is by strength and courage and some faith. Maybe you need to take action. Maybe getting help in your family looks like going to see someone who can help you. It may not feel like a faith-filled step, but can I tell you that any step forward is faith. Because you're saying, God, as I take this step forward, God, I know that you're going to help me this morning. Instead of staying back here and enjoying the comfortability of where you are today. If you want to walk in the plans and the purposes of God, your giant will keep you where you are today. But if we take back the ground, if you take on that giant head on, and just like David, David had no idea what war was. He had no idea how to hold a sword. He had no idea how to hold a shield or put on some armor. But he just did the best thing that he knew how. And he went and grabbed a few small, smooth stones and he confronted the giant and God did the rest. Don't, 
Don't underestimate your step of faith this morning. You might think it's insignificant to a seasoned army, uh, a soldier, picking up a bunch of stones seemed fairly stupid. But in the hands of God, that was the exact thing that brought a miraculous miracle for the entire nation of Israel. You know, as a church, comfortability would have been staying in Leppington, aircon that barely worked, but it was comfortable. This is a little bit, little bit warm today, I appreciate that. You know, I don't think our journey here is going to be without a few challenges along the way. But if us, if us as a church is going to continue to pioneer and take what God has for us, we've got to keep fighting for the land. You've got to keep fighting for the land in your life. You've got to keep fighting in the journey. You've got to keep fighting in your marriage. I don't think there ever becomes a time in our life where we stop fighting. When we stop fighting, that is where the devil starts to take ground on us. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your children. Fight in our jobs. Fight for your relationships. Continue to fight, even though our lives are so busy. Ensure that we're making time for the book. The book of the law cannot depart from our mouth. As we start a new season in church, can I encourage you this morning, if you're not spending enough time in the Word of God, make a decision that you are going to make time for this book. Because as you fill your heart and your mind with this, you watch as your speech and your faith begins to change. We are here to take the ground that God has given us, but it is not going to come without a fight. Jesse, can I get you to jump on the guitar, please? I want to pray for some people this morning. I really believe that God wants to break some chains off some people's lives this morning. Can we just close our eyes just for a second?